1: Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Karen Guy Post and the Hornsby RSL. And then the Bull Caruso and at long last, the A-League season has come to an end. Yes, six months after it started under the complete hullabaloo of COVID-19. It exits the way it came in, along with the complete debacle around the performance of Fox Sports in its final year of coverage. But all these issues didn't stop what was probably the best season of the A-League to date in terms of the competitiveness of the competition, the quality of the players coming through, and the actual drama that came with from the matches. As always, we need the best thinkers on task for this, so I am pleased to welcome back our Chief Football Correspondent, the Spicy Chorizo, Dom Rizzuto. Good evening to you.
0: Good evening, Bull. Pleasure to be here talking all things uh, football once again with yourself. Yeah, what a season we had in the A-League. Definitely probably the most topsy-turvy tournament that we've had in well, competition, I should say, in, in quite some time in the A-League. It, it broke the norm. Uh We had a new champion. We saw it farewell its long-standing partnership with its broadcaster for the final year, in which it actually probably put in more effort than it has in the last 10 years, so in this final year. But enough on that debacle. We're going to talk, obviously, all things uh, the teams this year, wrap up our thoughts on on how they did. And, my God, it was a, an interesting one, which uh, had plenty of twists and plenty of surprises throughout the uh 25 matches of regular season football and the uh, four or five games of finals that we had. I
1: mean, they do say that it is the most wonderful time of the year. No, it isn't Christmas, but not only have we seen some amazing football over the last uh, couple of weeks around the world, but we should make mention as well, Dom, for you and I, it's halami season as well.
0: Yes, it is. Loving the uh, food coming from my nonnas. Kitchen at the moment Shame that uh, we're obviously in lockdown So we can't go and visit her So uh, I'm hoping that we'll be able to get A uh, <laughs> a good dose When um, the restrictions Are lifted here in New South Wales
1: Absolutely This is the first season since the A-League Returned to a 12-team competition We'll go through the individual club pro- com- performances The competition as a whole And where we think we'll go next With the new TV rights deal coming into play What a year for football And it just keeps going Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. And we're going to kick things off here tonight with the first team in alphabetical order. It is Adelaide United. They finished fifth on 39 points. 39 goals for, 41 goals against. They've reached the semi-finals. What we're going to do for each of the teams, we'll look at what went well, what didn't go well, any early announcements in terms of transfers and changes, and we'll give our verdict on the report card. Adelaide United, what went well for them this year? I thought their attack actually was... Quite solid this year. Um, a very un-Adelaide United like performance this year in that regards.
0: Yeah, it was decent from Adelaide. It was the it was the it was they it was the even year for them, as I always like to say. They have the they have the the two season uh, the the on and off season success. Uh, I find the Reds where you know this is the year that they did pretty well. Uh, last year they weren't so strong, and next year maybe. That will continue. They won't be good next year. We're not too sure. But yeah, they attacked pretty well. You know, led by Tommy Urich, who scored eight goals this year. Craig Goodwin and Stefan Malk came in with uh, with seven each um, themselves. Pretty decent, you know, attacking side. And we weren't too surprised by that. But And they, you know, finishing fifth, as you mentioned, was a a pretty decent result for the team that they, they put on paper and probably where they should have finished as well. So I think all in all a pretty strong season uh, for them and they shouldn't be too disappointed by finishing as semi-finalists.
1: I thought for them what didn't go well this year it was a very uninspired end to the season. They only won two of their last ten matches. I thought they'd run out of steam and the other issue they had disciplined the most yellow cards of any team this season.
0: Your stance man Caruso it's something I didn't really pay too much attention to that's for sure. I think it's the way they play. They're quite industrious and yeah they probably did come back to buy them a little bit yeah that end of season form probably not the greatest but it's interesting a league because form of the season and being consistency over a long period of time because of that final setup like we that we have here like they have in other sporting codes they don't it just doesn't have that same kind of necessity to be winning week in week out because you saw that even though that they won two of their last 10 they still ended up beating brisbane in that prelim final and and almost pushing Sydney all the way as well in the semi-final, that in the end, it didn't really matter. They had the calibre, but they just had a, a bit of an off patch. So I think it's, at the end of the day, is that they've had a very Adelaide season, consistent, got stuck in, didn't let anybody down, and at the end, probably just lacked that quality of the two top sides in the division to help them win a, a premiership.
1: Now the uh, the only announcement so far we've had is Brian Strain has announced that he is leaving Adelaide United for Maccabee Haifa in Israel. Nothing else coming about from it. So uh, this team looks like it's going to be fairly stable coming into. Next season, do you see their lineup probably possibly requiring anything new? Probably need someone
0: in the middle of the park who's gonna probably stabilize them a little bit, maybe hold that consistency uh, and that of the of their attack a little bit more. Um, they actually they're very on and off through the season. Defensively, you know, well well set up. Yeah, they probably you know they need to like if the you mentioned, for find that consistency they need some players in there that they can kind of help them deliver that some experience because i think they've got the class but they probably might need some better unheralded players in the squad but we shall see i'm not too sure i think the best case for adelaide is to you know if they want to find that consistency then Stick with
1: the team that they've got. From my mind—it was a very Adelaide United season, stuck in the middle. Promised much, just didn't quite deliver when it mattered most. As you, as you rightly pointed out, I agree—the uh, the lack of on-field leadership to really kick on. I gave them a C plus.
0: Oh yeah, I think that's—I think that's a fair mark, uh, a C plus. It's difficult because yeah they. You know, if you look at it from a league perspective, they finished fifth, which is probably around that mark. But, you know, they were they were one goal away from a final. So, I mean, that in itself is pretty impressive. So I'll stick with a C-plus as well, Caruso, but purely on the fact that I'm looking at this more from a league form perspective than a finals performance.
1: Let's go to the next team in alphabetical order. It is Brisbane Roar, who did finish fourth on 40 points, 36 goals for, 28 goals against... And I thought, for mine, it was a welcome return to form for Brisbane Raw. It wasn't the days of Raw Salona, which saw some of the prettiest football being played in A-League history, but a turnout that resulted in the second-best defensive lineup in the competition.
0: Brisbane were great this year. It was great to see Brisbane do well again because they've been quite poor, and they've really got an untapped market up there. From a fan's perspective, you think about all of the NRL teams are doing quite poorly. Uh, the AFL teams outside the Lions are doing pretty poorly too. So there's there's a market there for another team to be top gong within the the region. And Brisbane this year really uh, went from you know a real improved season last year and went even further this year. And had I was super super impressed. I think in the end, really, they will feel a bit disappointed that they finished on that uh, only that prelim finals appearance because I think they just got outdone, having not been in uh, a finals for quite some time. You can see that they weren't ready for that type of match, and Adelaide got them with the kind of, more experience that they have in the squad there of, of finals football but I would be disappointed from my point of view if I was a Brisbane fan that they didn't push for a, at least a semi-final position where I think they would have been a real challenge to either Sydney or, or Melbourne moving forward. You know you can say the same for the team that we'll come to next but other than that they were they, were enter- they played enterprising football, they were fun to watch, I really enjoyed um, some of the young guys that have got coming through the system and I imagine that if they can keep the squad together it'll be another good year next year too
1: Scott Neville returning the side of Josh Brindle South, very solid for them. I thought the, uh, the biggest surprise, and I think the, the one that proved the masterstroke, was the Japanese import, Riku Danzaki, And it's just showing that there is plenty of talent to be found in East Asia, and it's a question mark as to why some of the clubs in the A-League don't tap that resource more.
0: Well, it's an, it's an interesting argument that they have across football in general in the world. You know, a couple of years ago, it was actually quite a um hot topic that a lot of players you know in European football weren't getting picked because they had Asian heritage and that they were quite often looked over and there was this argument that are we looking past the talent that comes out of Asia due to maybe our stigma on how we kind of perceive Asia as a culture traditionally they have their best players have come in the form of small-sized players, very technically gifted and speedy and fit, but they don't usually bolster that size that you get from, you know, the Western nation teams and the South American teams. So, you know, especially the way Australia likes to play, it's kind of got that EFL championship kind of vibe to it where they love big bodies in the team. The game can be played hard. Uh, and it can be physical, and it's not played kind of in a, in a tricky formation. But we've seen, and, I, and you, we saw the success with Sinigagno, obviously, out here when the Western Sydney Wanderers uh, were had their heyday when they first got introduced into the competition. And I, I I tell you what, I don't know why they don't do it more often because we've seen another example here with with uh, Tanzaki, who's been who's been brilliant, you know. And there's some. You know, I must say, you know, there's probably, you know, Japan and, and South Korea probably don't have the, the superstars that they have at the moment. Obviously, Song Jun min being the only player of kind of of real note at the moment. But I know for a fact they've got some a heap of talent out there. There's a reason why those sides always do a lot better than the Australian sides do in the AFC Champions League. And I don't know why we don't do more, but I think there's just that infatuation of the fact that we need to bring in players that are of European calibre, uh, because... They're the ones that will draw the crowd. What
1: didn't go well for them this year, I think they struggled for goals in the middle of the season. They only scored four in eight matches. I think it cost them the momentum early on, but that's that's really me picking at straws in, in regards to Brisbane's year. And I think they'd be very satisfied with the way that this year went for them.
0: Yeah, I think the season's fine. Um, you know, they lose Wenzel Halls, unfortunately, next season. That's the the early news coming out of the, the camp in Brisbane, um, having signed for I believe it was MacArthur, Wenzel Halls has gone to.
1: I think that um, may be the case, but he's not the only one as well. So No,
0: there's a few that are moving, So, which is a bit of a shame for Brisbane because obviously we don't want to try and keep that, that team together, but I still think on this season, uh, a C plus is fair, Western United, sorry, that's the one I was thinking of, not MacArthur, I still think that they've had a really good season. and. Um, I know that they, you know, they've said that they've all lose Zanzaki, they'll lose Gillespie back to England, Milosunic goes back to Denmark, and there's plenty of players they'll have to try and replace, but I think this is a, a, a good start for the Brisbane Roar in a sense that maybe they found a method of just bringing in some loan players, because they don't have the talent at the moment, and they just bring in players on loan and, and see how they go, um, especially until they drop the, the salary cap from the A-League, it's going to always kind of be like this. So what have you given them?
1: A it a you gave them C-plus. A C-plus? Really? I gave him a B. I
0: think that they should have made semi-finals. That would have made it a B for me. I think that their loss to Adelaide, just kind of dampened the end to their season, because I thought they were better. They played better football than Adelaide all season, and I think they should have. They should have gone further, and they didn't. They just lose that B plus rating for me.
1: Let's go to the Central Coast Mariners. They finished third on forty two points, thirty five goals for, thirty one against. Take about Alan Staggich.
0: Yeah, he's done an amazing job. Having you know, only been there for a, a short amount of time, but we said it when he first joined that this is the best signing that the Mariners have made in their history. Bringing him in because he was uh, fantastic for them this season. Proved a lot of doubters wrong. If we were to do a, a end of year um, heroes or top ten wins for the season or top ten performances, for mine, Alan Staggich is up there with the very best of people who came in and proved a lot of doubters wrong. You know, he was unceremoniously sacked from the Matildas job uh, a few years ago, in which we covered in real detail around the disgrace of that. But what he's done at the Central Coast Mariners to prove that he is a manager with Uh, incredible ability and deserves a a role at a a top club within football within Asia and could go on and and do like I said the results that he's done with what I called the worst sporting team in the in the land only 12 months ago uh, and said that they didn't even deserve a spot in the competition they've come uh, an incredible third off the back of playing some really nice football simple football as well just Easy on the eye. Really, I was gutted that they didn't go all the way because I I at one
1: point I really thought they would. They had some players coming to some absolute form this year. Ryan Tongaik, Oliver Bozanik, Mark Birigiddy, the fairy tale story, and he's gonna go around for one more year. The wizard of woy Woi Max Simon just keeps going.
0: Yeah, he um was another <laughs> a great uh, season for the for the for the wizard who kind of reinvented him a little bit since returning to uh, the central coast over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, good partnership there with Oliver Bozanich, played obviously very well. Daniel de Silva, uh, obviously he's off to Macarthur next season, but he had a much better year finally here in Australian soil which was good to see. Like I said, I think they'd be disappointed that they didn't get past MacArthur in that prelim final because I think if there was one team to push either Melbourne or Sydney this year, it was going to be them, and they just fell short.
1: Well, not only is Daniel De Silva off to MacArthur FC, Jack Lisby is off to Perth Glory. Alu Kual signed by Stuttgart. Good luck to him going over to the Bundesliga.
0: Yeah, great sign... Great season for Kuhl, so hard, you know, well, they're not quite the German powerhouse that they once were, but still a Bundesliga staple. And uh, he, for him, you know, I don't know if he's got Australian heritage in him, Cool, but if he does, that's also great to see because there's another option for the Socceroos, with a player who is playing in one of the top divisions in the world, which at the moment we don't have a lot of. So, good on him. Great season. Deserves his call-up.
1: Uh, but the big news, obviously, Stagic did announce he has quit the club. Uh, he's quit due to a lack of funds being available for him to go and sign players. He has been linked with the position at Western United, although there are rumours as well that he may go to MacArthur FC.
0: Well, it'd be a, a great pick-up wherever he goes. It's a shame that he's not staying at the Mariners, but I think he's done his time. I think he's done a great job. You know, we know that the Mariners have their financial struggles. You know, can't quite keep the team on the park. But, you know, yeah, okay, they do lose Danny De Silva, they lose Clisby, lose it, cool, cool, But, you know, a lot of those good players are still staying there. So they'll still have the uh, well, a lot of the playing squad there. So it's a bit of a loss. The biggest loss is obviously Stage, you know, and wherever he goes, whether that be down to... To Western United or to Macarthur, I don't see him going to Macarthur. Western United is a very likely possibility, and he'd be a great fit in that team, a team that's hasn't really lit the world alight. I don't think that their recruitment was great. They picked players, uh, you know, like like obviously fun players like Barisha and and Alessandro Diamanti, who were good for one season, but since then, I think age has just has just become too much of an issue. They have lack of recruitment around that. Hasn't been good, and I think Stayich coming in with a fresh mind might just change that setup for Western United. He'd be a good fit. Back to the Mariners, really strong season, B plus for me, considering from where they came from. If they'd made it to the semi final, I would have given them the A, but because they just didn't quite get past McArthur in that shocking game. I had to cover that one. A shocking game uh, between the two sides uh, because they didn't get just past that little hurdle. I can't quite give them the, the A rating.
1: Yeah, I gave them a B plus as well for their performance. Let's go to the Bulls themselves, the MacArthur FC. They finished sixth with 39 points, 33 goals for 36 against. They made the semi-finals as well. Uh, look, as far as first season goes, this is, I think, was a major success for the club. I think it's the best first season we've ever seen from a club in the A-League, maybe rivaling the first year from the Western Sydney Wanderers, uh, built around a team of hard-working journeymen, journeymen giving them a home and, a re- and an opportunity to re-establish their career in the A-League. And I think the, the breakout stars in particular for those German was Matt Derbyshire, who finished second for the Golden, but with 14 goals, and Adam Federici in goals.
0: An interesting uh, results uh, season for MacArthur. I really didn't know kind of how to, to rate them this year because they scraped into the finals, started brilliantly and then lost their way a little bit, then just managed to pick up a couple of results along the way just to halt the the fast finishing Wellington Phoenix, as you mentioned, a side that was uh, not pretty but hard working, you know, uh, emulating that uh, Western Sydney Wanderers uh, performances. But uh, I didn't love the way that they played football quite a lot of the time. But resolute, right? And they knew how to get the the job done at the end of the day, and that showed when the with the with how far they ended up going.
1: Yeah, what didn't go well for them. Yeah, I thought the lack of consistency just prevented them from going further up the table. They they just just as they thought you'd, they launched into some solid run of form, they would have a roll uh, result reversal. None more so than the three losses from four matches they suffered after they beat Adelaide nine four 0 and a five match winless streak towards the end of the season. I think they probably just ran out of puff for the end of the season. But still I think they'd be fairly satisfied with how they went this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No like finals appearance in your first year. That's like a that's nothing to scoff at at, at all. And I'd tell you what, you know, if they can keep this team together and boast it with some some fresher legs, they're a definite shot of finishing higher up the ladder and, you know, really starting to challenge with the two. We we know how big of a catchment area that is for football in New South Wales. There's no reason why they can't become a the perfect club to grow as Australian football at a top
1: flight level grows. Some of the early announcements that have come through for MacArthur, obviously we know Mark Milligan has announced his retirement, and then the other one, the, um, the coaching looks like it's going to stay put as it is, but in terms of the players, Cole Chimenti, Ivan Franic, Yanni Nikolaou, Miloslav Popovic. Loic, Pio, and Walter Scott all declared free agents. It's the usual thing we see in the A-League. At the end of the season, those are one-year contracts. They're just going to let go. And There's no announcement yet at this stage. For mine, I, I think the only player they'd be, that looks likely out of that to get a, a team almost immediately would probably be Ivan Franch.
0: Yeah, but even Ivan Franch is, you know, seen better days himself. I like the look of maybe y- Yanni Nikolaou and-, and Miroslav Popovic, but I imagine if Miroslav... I don't think Mirosl- Miroslav has a relation to Tony. Um, I think that's his son. Is it his son, Miroslav? I'm yeah. not for sure. I think it's his son. If he has a relation, well, we might know where he's going in our one of our team announcements further into this podcast tonight. Now, yeah, coaching will stay the same. Ante Milicic has done enough to stay there for another year. I- I- I'm yet to see... Much out of him so far. Didn't do a great job with the Matildas after replacing steich You know, a poison chalice at that point, I must admit, for any coach that took over. But he'll get another crack at uh, trying to get MacArthur moving forward. And uh, I think he, they warranted a, a, B, a B rating for uh, the season.
1: Yep, I gave them a B as well. So uh, probably a fair a fair rating in that regard. Let's go to team number five and the... Champions, the Premiers, they did the double this year. Melbourne City came first with 49 points, 57 goals for, 32 goals against. The money that has been splashed into this club over the years has finally paid off, and they won the double.
0: And well-deserved as well. And they did it without Jamie McLaren in the final series as well, which makes it even more impressive for them after his another incredible goal tally season for the new big boys of Australian football uh, they attack well, they defend well, they've got a great setup. As mentioned, Cass Patrick nobo. won the Coach of the Year, well-deserved. Got a guy scoring 25 goals a season and Jamie Claren You're always going to be up there, aren't you, really? Looked very impressive and didn't ever really look like a team that was ever going to be beaten. And uh, I think after last year where they just fell short, they deserved, and I mentioned it as well in our preview to the final on Friday last week, around how the feeling of losing a grand final the year before will have definitely fired this squad up to win This year, and they did it with quite easily in the end.
1: For mine, I thought their biggest strength was their left sided play. Curtis Good, Scott Jamison, and Conor Metcalf combined brilliantly along that left hand fringe, uh, which opened up a lot of opportunities for Jamie McLaren. They've also got a very exciting prospect for the future with Nathaniel Atkinson marked as one of the the young stars and a young football player of the month during the course of the season.
0: Yeah, they they got that formula perfectly right at the end of the day. Like they were. Very, very, very impressive. You know, obviously that left side was, was very, very strong. And, you know, especially when you got the likes of, you know, Craig Noon, who was playing out there on, as well. They had the guys at the back as well who could just control the tempo of the game so effectively. And it would create so much space for those players on the left hand side to do what they needed to do to win football games. They got that, I said, they got that formula perfect this, uh, this season. And they were, you know, I think, from the outset, looked like they were going to be title winners.
1: And the early announcements have got so far: Craig Noon is leaving Melbourne City; he's going to Macarthur FC. But they've already announced a massive signing: Matthew Lecky signed from Hertha Berlin.
0: Yeah, massive signing. Matthew Lecky returning home to Australian soil, which is a real shame. But we forget that he's been around for some time. Let Matthew Lecky. Um, it's a shame that he's not staying in Germany to further his career. But you know, when you had a side like. Hertha berlin there isn't really much and you know you're not getting past that stage there's not really much more that you can really do as a football player and maybe he's smart to come home you know he's 30 years old go to a championship winning team in melbourne form a great partnership with uh with jamie mclaren up, up there for the city team and I, I think it's also really strong signing for australian football you know he's a he's a big name you know and I think that'll show signs of players actually wanting to come back to the A-League and, and play and continue to to make it a strong competition.
1: Maybe a bit harsh for me in terms of my rating. I thought Melbourne City were deserved champions. I thought, though, not the best of champions that we've seen over the last few years, still highly effective and they're likely to go in as I gave them an A.
0: I'm going with an A-plus, Caruso. I think that they were pretty excellent throughout the year. They looked pretty strong sydney fc in that grand final they're a bit unlucky i think melbourne city deserved it but good lord that was never a penalty and luke bratton was obviously unlucky to get the get the send off as well that changed the course of the match as soon as he got sent off and that penalty was appalling decision from the officials but i still think melbourne played better and had those penalty not been a penalty or had it had not been a sending off i still think that they were going to win because um, the squad was just they just played and they had more heart on the day. So A-plus well, for me.
1: Well, let's go take a break. And when we come back, we'll have part two of our wrap up of the 2020-21 A-League season. You are listening to Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Of course, we do it all for Atlas Chartered accountants, the Hornsby Career Guy Post and the Hornsby RSL. We'll be right back. <laughs> we <laughs> The Splinter's The Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Korean Guy Post and the Hornsby RSL. Anthony the Bull Caruso with Dom the Spicy Chorizo Rosetto. and we are wrapping up the A-League season for 2020-21. Let's get straight back into it. We move from one side of Melbourne to the other side of Melbourne and we move from, Dom, the champions to the wooden spoons and boy, hasn't the internet had a field day with Melbourne Victory.
0: Well, I mean, hasn't life had a field day with Melbourne Victory? It's been an awful, awful, I mean like, is, is is there been a, been a bigger fall in Australian sport than the than the Melbourne victory in the last two years? My lord, they've just fallen from about twelve stories without a parachute and have been splattered on the ground. And I just don't know where it's all gone wrong for this side. They just had absolutely no plan, this club, in terms of how they were going to rebuild this squad after. The, you know, what was always going to be the likely departure of Kevin Muscat, Bessat Barisha uh, and co. Costa Barbarousas. And they haven't had any kind of, you know, Archie Thompson, Andrew Naboot. They just had no answer for it whatsoever. It's just been disaster after disaster after disaster for, for this team, which has been a dominant Australian football team for, for so long. It, it, it's hard to what
1: Their defence was disgraceful. 60 goals shipped this year, with an offensive lineup made up of Storm Rowe, Adama Torore, Nick Ansell, Aaron Anderson, Dylan Ryan, two terrible goalkeepers in Matt Acton and Matt Crocombe, a genuine recipe for disaster. Thankfully, you know they've already announced that they're moving some of these players on. Nick Ansell, Max Crocombe, Storm Row have all been moved on. Adam, Adama Torore has already announced that he's joining the Western Sydney Wanderers. No signings coming in as yet. But whoever's going to be coaching this team, has almost got to blow the team up and start again.
0: Yes, yeah, so, sorry, Bruce. I was just, I was just reading something, but we'll get back to that in a minute. Um, yeah, look, all those players that you just mentioned, um, they're, they're quality players. I don't know why they're, they've been so poor this year. They're, there's really nothing else to say than a big F stamped on, on the Melbourne victory this year. Their only, only shining light that I see in this squad is that they bring in uh, perennial one-season wonder coach Tony Popovich in next year. Who, if there's anyone who can fix this disaster uh, of a club right
1: now, it's him. Wow, that is going to be absolutely huge. Tony Popovich coming in to try and save the Melbourne victory. Uh, I, I don't know how they how they do it, and, and as far as I'm concerned, they've got the wrong. They had the wrong and dumbetraore in their lineup as well. so...
0: <laughs> Imagine if that Adama Traore was down in Australia playing football. Oh,
1: mate, you know, he, he would show everyone how to bench press. Yeah, you know, <laughs> let's, let's let's face it. In fact, let's pose the question to everyone here. A bench pressing competition between Adama Traore and Adabea Akinfenwa. Who wins?
0: Adabayo Akinfenwa. He's bigger body. You mate. see him? He's bigger muscles on him. He's a, bigger a unit. Try athletic, he's powerful, but if you're thinking Haken. about max weight, oh, I think it's gotta
1: be Akifenwa. Better bloke as well, as far as we're concerned as well, so. <laughs> Let's go to the next team, the Newcastle Jets. They finished 11th with 21 points, 24 goals for 28 against, 38 against. It's been a lean few years for the Jets, save for the one fleeting year where they made the finals against all odds when Roy O'Donovan decided to go absolutely ballistic up front. Their defence was actually okay, but they just could not score goals to save their life this
0: year. Yeah, they were um, they were poor again Newcastle this year, which is a real shame. I think uh, alongside the Mariners' kind of uh, performances this year, their grand final run a few years back was one of the great Australian sporting stories for some time. They just don't have the the talent anymore, you know. You know, and they lost Demi Petratos. A while back, you know you know Adam the Boot and guys like that just don't have that same attacking quality anymore and Roy O'Donovan, you know he's a strong player, but you need service, you know you can't be asked to be your star player, right, like he's old now he's you know those legs aren't as young as they used to be, and I just don't see where they can go to get back to that, that miracle year that
1: they had and they've and they've gone in, they've gone in hard in terms of trying to start the team again. Rami Najarian returns to Melbourne City because he was out in Newcastle on loan. Luke Priso returns to Osiak in Croatia, finishing his loan spell. Nigel Bugard has announced to retire. And then the lineup of players all released. Ali Abbas, Roy O'Donovan, Matt Miller, Jack Simmons, Tete Yengi and Jack Armstrong all released. And this is, it's a sad sight for a team that, you know, has won. You gotta remember, they've won an A-League.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it is uh, one of those things that uh, just happens, isn't it? Really, at the end of the day, it's just football.
1: I, I think unlike Melbourne victory, Newcastle were expected to struggle, and that's what they did. They, they showed that they try hard with the defence; they just couldn't go anywhere. I gave them a D. Am I being generous with that?
0: I don't think you're being generous because their squad isn't good. So, what do you expect, right? Like, they didn't come last. That's an F. I think D is fair. I'm going to go with D, too.
1: Let's go to Perth Glory. The, I think one of the under, the genuine underachievers in the competition this year. Ninth with 34 points, 44 goals for, 44 goals against. By God, when they were on, they were on. Yeah, they
0: were really good this year, Perth, when they were good. Other than that, I thought they were poor. Again, there's absolutely no reason that this team that is led by Bruno Ferrelli, Andy Keogh, Joel Chienizo, Diego Castro, and Nick Diogostino finished ninth, with only, you know, uh, like, defensively horrendous from Perth Glory this year. I don't understand. I just don't understand it. I just don't understand. There's, there's absolutely no reason why this team shouldn't be in the top four.
1: I could, you, I could give you one of them straight away. There's a lack of leadership out the back, especially when you consider the quality of goalkeepers they've got here. There's always one team in the competition that you just you left scratching your head as to why they've got such poor goalkeepers. It's Perth Glory, Tando Vallfi and Liam Reddy. How these guys still have a role in the A League at the moment, I will never know. I
0: don't know. I don't know, Chris. I, I don't I don't understand it. Like they're the biggest anomaly for me, this Perth team. There's so much attacking talent. We saw that they scored more goals than anyone else this season. But they leaked just as many. And you can't have that. You can't you can't win matches. You can't win can't, you know, attacks win your games. Defense win your championships. We all know that, right? You know, you look at all the best teams in the world and the way they won championships this year. They all sign quality football players who can defend, and they want like you look Manchester City. They were terrible at the start of the year. Five weeks into the season, they bought in Ruben Diaz. He won. A, he bet He was the best player of the season. They want to. They want another league title. Should have won a Champions League too. And of so, course, we need to do that too. And I, I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. But. I think it could be a coaching thing too. Quite possibly.
1: So they've picked up the Tony Kovitz disease of now announcing a mass clean out at the end of every season. It's happened again. So at this point, Neil Kilkenny, Nick Dagostino, Tando the Jason Guerriard, Dan Ingham, Sebastian Lankham, Riley Wallen, I can keep going with this, Nick Sullivan and Brandon Wilson, they've all been released. Richie Garcia has come into the, this cl- into this club. He has basically burned the plates to the ground and started again but James has got
0: a big job to do. Huge job here and like again I don't know where to kind of go with it, but they need some quality at the back. And until they get that quality at the back, Richie Garcia is going to have a tough time getting the side into the that top 6. And it it it, it it's it, it doesn't surprise me, a man of his attacking talent, you know, doesn't have uh doesn't have that same kind of defensive nous. Bring in a guy who knows a uh, defensive coach, who knows how to get teams <laughs> uh more resilient. Because, Tony uh, Poulos. Tony Poulos, you bring him across. I, he'd take a free trip to holiday, I'm sure. Man's out of a job. He's made pretty much redundant in England, so um, with his style of football. But his style of football probably still suits Australian football, so why not bring him across?
1: I, I, I agree with you. I think this is a team that has continued to underachieve and it looks set to continue. Jack Clisby from the Mariners, Aaron Calvert might help from Western United. I don't think it's enough. I gave him a D minus. So they're lucky to not get an F.
0: I don't think I think an F's rough. It's you know they they did score forty four goals. <laughs> uh, look for me, it's a it's just it's just a D, just a D for disappointing.
1: Let's go to Sydney FC. They finished second, with forty seven goals, thirty nine goals for, twenty three goals against, grand finalists, and I, the, the what went well for them this year? I thought by the length of the Flemington straight, their defence the best in the league. They conceded five less goals than the next best team and a whopping 12 goals to third place in terms of defences. They're the only team to have conceded less than a goal a game this year.
0: Sydney so FC defensively were fantastic this year. It was what uh, got them to where they were uh, by the end of the season um, because look, whilst the you know the likes of uh, Adam LaFondra came back uh, for a second loan spell definitely helped them attack-wise, you've got to think the likes of Milos Nikovic, he kind of went a bit quieter this year. Um, didn't quite maybe have that same kind of uh, zip to him. He was still, you know, probably the best player on the uh, in the competition once again, but... Well, um, he, he shared the time medal this yeah, year. Yeah, right, but I just feel like he just didn't quite have that same, I don't know, that's that same kind of substance that he usually has. But he was, you know, excellent once again. You know, Andrew Renmain did very good at the, at the back. In the end, you know they could have easily won another title. You know they could have easily won an, uh, the double. In the end of the day, in the final, I think had it had been in Sydney as well. No COVID might have changed that game drastically. And as I mentioned before, I thought that they they didn't get the rub of the green in the end. Uh, that penalty decision was a farce. I, I, I couldn't I couldn't say any more. And I would say you no, know, I'm probably more of a Sydney FC supporter than a Melbourne City supporter. But I think we all know here on Splinters and on the bench and on Triple H that. I'm pretty bipartisan when it comes to Australian football, and and, and pretty pretty neutral uh, when it comes to my analysis of the game. And they were they were they were kind of stuffed in the, at the end, but um, they, they probably deserved a bit more out of the game than what they got. That was off the back of you know just having a brilliant makeup up uh, genetic within the squad that's just used to winning all the
1: time. The other, two other things that I found has been going well. The one thing I found that has been going very well. For Sydney FC, has been their youth academy. You don't see it with any other club in the A League so far, but their youth academy is going brilliantly. Seven players from their academy making starts this year and now making regular appearances in their lineup.
0: Yeah, that's that's another thing as well, right? Sydney, uh, unlike Melbourne, have have been able to handle that change. You know, they've started to see that there's a a shift in the. In the rankings, that's what you know. As we all know, that's what the salary cap is designed to do. But they've seen that change. They've seen it early. They've started bringing in these talented youngsters, giving them game time, keeping some of that that core group together. Like someone like a Ninkovich in there, they can learn off and play off and find themselves with youth players who can live up to the standard of the of the competition. And they have, right? You know, they've done an excellent job, and if they keep doing that. I think there will be a come kind of time where there probably won't be a need for international talent within the competition, or especially at Sydney
1: FC, because the the production line is just so effective. No departures announced so far this year. Max Burgess has announced um, that he is joining the club this year. I think that's a clever signing as well and Great sets signing. them up for the future. Um, the other significant announcements that have happened as well: Adam LaFondra has re-signed for a further two and a half years. I think he'll see his career out at Sydney. And Bobo has announced a one-year contract extension.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's great. Uh, Business from Sydney, again, just smart. I mean, Sydney's a a glamorous club, right? It's a glamorous city to live in, especially if you've got money. The best players will want to come and play for Sydney, right? Still, you know, one of our favourite stories is when Bahadur came across and they, when Western Sydney Wanderers snapped him up and they showed him all these uh, special uh, spots in Sydney that he he was going to live in and then had to go all the way out to you know, Blacktown to train, you know. (laughs) That's not what he came here to do, right? It's one of those things where, you know, Sydney FC will always be able to to attract the best talent, but what they have been able to do is make sure when they lose that talent to players looking to chase money or go back overseas that they have adequate replacements in a strong youth academy. And I actually, I think you've been a bit harsh on the B rating here, Caruso, but I can see in your run sheet I'm going with an A-. minus. And A minus,
1: fair enough. Fair enough. I, I think maybe I was a touch harsh in that, in that regard. So let's go to the next team, the Wellington Phoenix. What went well for them? Look, I think Talay has set himself up as the most underrated manager in the A league right now. And as, you know, like Alan stated, he's dragged this team to places it does not deserve to be on paper.
0: No, absolutely right. They were, you take away COVID-19 and this team is a finals team. Without a doubt. Great team led by Tomo Hamed and Ben Wayne. Were really good all season. They just didn't get to play in front of their home crowd every week. Had to play here in Australian soil. Scored equal amount of goals. Same amount of goals as as Perth did. Had, had a far better defensive record. They were, just got unlucky. You know, three losses were just by one singular goal at the end of the day. and I think if they had a home crowd, of, you know they would have... They would have been able to turn that around. I think that uh, you know now that they get to go back and play in Wellington again. Fingers crossed. We don't have any more precautionary COVID bubble troubles with New Zealand moving forward. But if they get to stay over there and keep manage to keep um, uh, you know the head coach in, uh, in Ufuk Uf- Katali uh, at uh, in the hot seat, then absolutely, there's no reason why they can't build a, a great future uh, over there. Ulysses
1: Davila has been absolutely outstanding for them. He, of course, shares the Johnny Warren medal with Milos Nikovic. Seven goals, second in the assists. He was absolutely brilliant this year.
0: Yeah, he was... He's he's, he's a talent, isn't he? Uh, I just... I always get afraid when I see talents like that go to Wellington and suddenly go, actually, I don't want to live in New Zealand anymore. Can I go play somewhere else? And then they all of a sudden have to go back to square one when they
1: can't keep a hold of that talent. Well, unfortunately, guess what's happened? So... With, uh, the Wellington Phoenix, Stefan Marinovich has departed for Hapoel in Israel. That's a decent lot, team to go to as well, because this is a, that's a club that's been to the Champions League, so that's a decent, a decent signing there for Stefan Marinovich. Ulysses Davila is going to MacArthur FC. They've also announced that the following players have been released, and there's some decent names in this one as well. Luke Devere, Cameron Devlin, Charles Lockhart-Lingoy, Liam McKing, Mirka Maratovic, and Matthew Riddington—all released. They have announced, though, and it's a really cool signing. They have signed former Shepherd Wednesday and Celtic striker Gary Hooper.
0: Yeah, that'll be cool to watch, Gary Hooper. You know, former Premier League striker too. He's he'll he'll bring a he'll bring a a, a great kind of uh, presence to the squad, which I hope will keep them where they're at at the moment, competing for. Finals positions and hopefully titles.
1: For mine, I thought you know, mark down for maybe not making the finals with the the record, but they achieved great things while not being allowed to play at the Cape Tim. uh It's a great work ethic. All for has done amazingly. I've given them a B plus. I think it'll be.
0: I, I think a B plus is, uh, is a little is a little too nice. I would say this year. I know, yes, we've said that they didn't get to play in New Zealand and, and stuff like that, but if you don't make finals, I don't think you can get a B-plus rating for mind. So it's a C-plus for me. They've put in a very good effort. There's a lot of heart in there, but you've got to be playing finals football if you want to get into that B-ranking.
1: I've made a bold prediction to come out of it as well. Take this down. I think Steve Corica will eventually step down at Sydney FC, move on somewhere else. If he does, Upuk Tale takes over.
0: Not a bad, it's not a bad call. I've seen, I've seen, uh, I've seen
1: bigger predictions. <laughs> Let's go to the Western Sydney Wanderers. They finished 8th on 35 points, 45 goals for, 43 goals against. On, on a positive note for them, they had a, they, this team, here's an interesting stat for you, more players in the squad scoring at least a goal than any other squad in the competition this year. 14 of the 24 players scored at least once this year.
0: They are, again, showing that they're fun to watch, whether it be on the field or off the field, the, uh, the Wanderers um, in recent time, But, by God, not just the Western City ones, but Australian football needs them back being one of the best teams again. I've said it so many times before, can't have this side with that catchment area sitting as low as they are on the ladder. They've got their brand new stadium. They need The red, back and, to- the red and black block. I need that back in that stadium, scoring goals, defending goals, even more so in this case for them, causing, a, ru- causing a ruckus in the stadium, causing a well. ruckus, and it, it's it's what Australian football needs. Australian football is not as pop hasn't been as popular since they've fallen down the the pecking order. Need to get
1: back to that, and we and of course we remember back when it was at its absolute peak when the, the Wanderers were actually going pretty well, they decided to move the first ever Sydney Derby to the Olympic Stadium. And I remember turning up there, 60,000 people filling the stadium out. You don't see that in a regular season game in rugby league, but you saw it for the Sydney Derby. No, you don't. And you
0: need those back. I know obviously COVID's affected that a little bit this year, but when that happens again, when we're back to that um, ability where both sides are, are good teams again. I'll tell you what, only, th- only good things can come from that.
1: Two things for mine. Consistency, which we know has been a bit of a challenge with the Western Sydney Wanderers of late, and discipline. They're the only team to have ever had a player suspended twice for five yellow cards in the season. That was Graham Dorans, who picked up a whopping 11 yellow cards this year. Two red cards as well picked up through Taz Morondokotas uh, and Mark Natter. Uh, only Adelaide beating them in terms of ill discipline. And in terms of announcements, Noah James has returned to the Jets. Muhammad Al-Tay, Costa Grosses, Scott McDonald, Nikolai Mueller and Patrick Ziegler all released. Uh, for mind, I don't think they made a significant impact since their ACL triumph, which now feels like a distant minute, um, memory. I gave them a C. There's some work to do to keep building this team.
0: Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of work to build, uh, uh, to do on this team. That's for sure. I think a C is fair. They were they were bang average. There's some uh, serious uh, acquisitions and uh, and releases need to be made before this side is, uh, let's say, championship competitive ready again.
1: The last team on the list is Western United, 10th on 28 points, 30 goals for, 47 goals against. They actually started the season well. They kept track with the battle for the top six uh, but I'll tell you what, talk about dropping off a cliff. Just when they managed to force their way back into the top six, they then went and lost eight matches straight to miss out on the finals.
0: Yeah, Ed, I think uh, we go back to that old uh, cliché of calling them the dad's army of the A-League. They just, they ran out of puff, didn't they? Um, they just didn't have that same pizzazz that they had at the start of the season. And I think that was just a lack of depth in the squad, relying on guys who have got old legs, who can't, you know, play that many games in the season. You know, as you remember, we mentioned at the start, this is the first time we went back to having a 12-team competition. It means more games, doesn't it? Yeah. Having to play those extra games is, is a lot of extra work, right? And, you know, I think, it, you know, they lost a couple on the bounce and then the confidence went, and then when the confidence went, the, the energy went and the motivation went. You could just see it in the squad. You know, I imagine that uh, they'll be wanting to make some changes, and they have made some changes already in, in the most important position on the team for next year, um, that's an important one that they'll need to recruit well for, and they'll need to bring in some some youth to to kind of
1: revitalize the spirit within the ranks. Well, for those of you who are not not knowing who we are referring to, Mark Rudin, of course, uh, quit the team at the end of the uh, at the end of the season. The rumor is Alan Staggie could be on his way to Western United. The other announcement has come through so far. Aaron Calver has left to go to Perth Glory. Max Burgess going to Sydney FC. Brad Inman has ended his loan spell, returning to ATK Mohan Bagan in India. Andrew Durante has announced his retirement. They have released Philip Curto, Tomislav Uskot, Akira Gorazzena, and Kane Shepherd. I think I, I think you're right. They need some they need some youth in this team, and they they need it fast.
0: Yeah, as I mentioned um, before, I'm all about that uh, revitalisation of the squad. I've given them a. C for their uh, performance this
1: year. I was going to give them a a very average C-plus before that eight-game losing streak. But after that performance and some of the matches and that, I've dropped them to a D-minus.
0: They finished 10th. They're not they're, they're not worthy of anything plus in my opinion. So with
1: that, we've come to the end of the team. A so quick mention as well: the deal that has been done for the A League and the W League next year. Channel Ten and Paramount Plus joining forces and winning the rights to the A League and the W League. Forty dollars, forty million dollars a year for five years with an option for a free year extension. <laughs> yeah, forty dollars. Sorry, forty million. 40 million dollars a year for five years with an option for a three year extension. The cash is slightly less than what Fox Sports were paying overall, but there is a contra account available for them to be, to spend into. What's interesting with this as well is that Viacom, CBS, your own channel 10 have taken a two and a half percent stake in the APL. That's the, the club union for the A-League and the W-League and are believed to be bidding against Amazon Prime for the rights to the Socceroos and the Matildas. Your thoughts on the deal?
0: I think it's a good deal. We needed, they needed to move away from Fox. I know that there's been disharmony amongst the consumers in recent days with you know the news of Stan Sport acquiring the Champions League, uh, obviously A-League moving to Channel 10 and, and Paramount, Optus Sport having the Premier League rights and then... Foxtel still having you know the rights to things like uh, the Serie A, the Bundesliga via BN Sports, uh, which is a part of their channels, and obviously uh, will have some sort of EFL League One action on it too. But for an A-League, from an A League perspective, they had to move to Fox Sports. It, you know, it, and it's not just about the money, right? It's it's not just about the the idea of of just televising the game and and just you know putting it on on a Friday and Saturday night you know you look at how much work fox sports puts into to rugby league and into and into and to afl they've got nrl tonight every every day nrl 360 every day yeah. they've got you know they used to have you know queenslanders only which is rubbish they've got the you know the the match centers afterwards that run the Matty johns show all those ga- those channels that's not just like you know show the game being played but it promotes it afterwards the analysis the drama it creates the spectacle and fox sports cut all of that out just so they could show the and just to show the games so the idea was is that okay the a-league's on we'll just put it on you didn't know who was playing who you didn't know apart unless you watched the adverts right you didn't you didn't know about pre-game analysis you weren't hearing stories you weren't hearing reports that's how the game grows. That's how the game game generates interest, right? It's The broadcaster has a responsibility to promote the game that it is paying to to broadcast. And Fox Sports just stopped doing that after a while, right? Uh, especially this year, they didn't have anything. And I think from an A-League perspective, they're like, well, to be honest with you, your marketing's pretty terrible. And, uh, you know, you've lost a, a lot of rights recently. You're obviously not in the game to help us grow the sport you're just here to kind of cash in on the on the the rights to show it we're going to move elsewhere we're going to move to a, a a a new channel that is that is trying to be you know trying to innovate the way that we watch sport like you know because we're all moving to digital streaming services now sport has finally uh, you know caught up to the rest of the, the entertainment world you know it's not being watched on on broadcast television anymore. It's been you know, all being engaged via the internet and Wi-Fi connections, and I imagine that um, Paramount, you know, with that well, Paramount Plus obviously coming in and, and playing an effect with, with Channel Ten, you know, coming across from America, will have all those kind of Hollywood-style ideas that will help the A-League. The, the biggest challenge that sport in this country, not just going kind to of, be in the world, faces is m- keeping young fans engaged. And and generating the new fan, the new the new super fans, which are hard to come by these days, because the attention span of people is just not the same. Where you can just engage with so many different things on your device. How do you keep someone uh, attached to something? And that's what uh, you know that the A League must see in what Channel Ten and Paramount Plus were offering, and Fox Sports wasn't doing that. It's outdated. It's an outdated setup. Yeah, okay, they're probably not making enough money, but the What's probably on offer is the ability to reinvent the way the game is produced in this country, and I only see that as a positive.
1: Well, with that, that is full-time here on Splinters as we start a big three weeks of football and an extra show to come. We are very excited for this burst of football to come, and I would like to thank my fellow panelists, Dom Rizzuto, for joining me tonight. It's going to be a wonderful few weeks as we go through the likes of the EPL season that's going to be coming up in a few weeks' time. We wrap up Euro 2020, and then before you know it, it'll be the end of the MPL season.
0: Yeah, and then uh, before you know it, the Premier League will start again. So (laughs) the fun never stops in the world of football, and especially here on Triple H.
1: So I expect plenty of round ball action across your dials. This has been Splinter's The Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. On behalf of Dom Rizzuto, I'm Anthony Caruso. Run hard or run home. Good night.